Well, thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Um, I want to introduce my family first, if you don't know who I am. So, uh, Jonathan, do we have the picture? Of, there we go. So I, I told everybody in the first service, if it's October in Texas, it's either college football or hunting season. And uh, so this is my beautiful family. I've got three daughters, a precious husband. So God graciously gave us this amazing promised land, a refuge of eight acres in College Station, and we moved back in March. So this is a deer feeder on our, our property. And unfortunately for my very hug, rugged, handsome husband, our deers and our pigs and our raccoons probably all have bows on them now and are named because they're our pets because he lives with four females. So that's unfortunate for him. But that's my family. Addie is our oldest. She's six. Ariella Hope is three. And then our baby, Olivia Joy, is four months. So that's my family. If you don't know uh, who I am, it just gives you a picture into our life. So uh, I have been a part of Antioch for eight plus years. I love this church. I love this house. Um, it's been an honor and a blessing to be part of this this church. And I've been blessed to be able to wear a lot of different hats. I get to be a mom. I get to um, be the leader and director of Unbound, our anti-human trafficking organization. Um, I'm also an attorney. I do child welfare law in our community. I have my own law practice. And all of those different roles, whether it's in the, in the living room with my kids reading stories, it's in front of the judge and the jury at a jury trial, or it's speaking on a Sunday morning and getting to preach up here on the stage, I hold it very near and dear to my heart, and it's a call from the Lord that I, that I take very seriously. And so I hope today when you hear my heart on what we're calling you to do and engage, it comes from a life lived of experience and being part of this local church and believing in the local church with my whole heart. I do believe in the local church. And so... Um, as being an attorney, I have gotten to work in a lot of different spheres. I've worked in small business. I've worked in big corporate enterprise. I've worked for the judicial branch. I've worked for governmental entities. And all of those experiences have really led me to have a greater appreciation for the local church. Because in those, those various entities, I've seen that there's great change that can happen, but there's nothing like the church. Because the church is this vested entity given the authority by God to bring radical transformation to our community, radical transformation to society and to our communities that no corporate enterprise, no governmental model could resolve or make better. The church is the answer. And so that's why I'm so passionate about it. Um, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says that the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power, in power. The church is empowered to move in our communities to bring transformation. And what's so unique about the church as well is there's no other entity in the world that's made up of every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and is also built on the very authority of Jesus Christ himself. And it's made up of his people who are filled with the spirit of God, who have the same living spirit inside of them that Jesus Christ had himself. It's this powerful design that God created to bring about his restorative, redemptive plan here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And we know, we know that we know we need this authority because in Ephesians 6 it talks about we're not warring against flesh and blood. Yeah. We're warring against principalities of the dark forces. And so today we're talking about how does the church engage to push back darkness? How do we engage to pu push back the evil forces and the principalities that have once been held in enemy control, but Jesus holds the keys to unlock yep. what the enemy thought he had won? 
Um, there's a familiar passage that most of you all know in Isaiah 61, and what I love about it is that it's labeled as the empowerment of the Messiah's ministry. The empowerment of the, of the Messiah's ministry. So that which led Jesus to do what he did on earth when he walked this, his days is living inside of us, and it gives us what it tells us that we have within us. We're anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. All of that authority is within us because of the Holy Spirit that we carry as the body of believers. And we know that the struggle is real ongoing. The end has already been predetermined. We know that Jesus Christ is the victor and he's made the way, but there is a constant war going on. There's a struggle going on that the church is engaged in every single day. And we're going to talk about that. But the good news is that in Matthew 16, 18 verses 19, it says, I tell you, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom for whatever you bind, whatever is bound on it, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Another way to read that is that which you forbid on earth must already have been forbidden in heaven. And that which you permit on earth must have already been permitted in heaven. The victory is won. The victory is predetermined, but the war and the struggle is ongoing. And that's where the church is called to engage. The church is called to engage in the struggle, engage in the heart, engage in the dark, so that transformation and healing and restoration can come through the vehicle of the church. What's interesting in the footnotes in that passage is that Jesus actually uses a Greek term for the church called ecclesia. It's actually not a biblical word. It has no religious connotation to it. It's, it actually means a political or governmental term that is people gathered together to govern the affairs of the city. So it's a governmental authoritative word and what it means when Jesus uses that term, the ecclesia, as the church, is that he's given governmental authority to the kingdom, to the church. He's given us governmental authority as the church to unlock the things that have been bound by enemy control and to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth in, in our day and age. And the devil has been left with gates of hell or the gates of Hades. But in Revelation 1.18, Jesus says, I hold the keys. I hold the keys to unlock death and the unseen world. And so when the, when the scripture says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom, he's given us the keys to unlock death and to unlock the unseen world on earth as it is in heaven. That's the call of the church. It's what he's asking us to do as the people of God. There's a, an, an incredible former Muslim who was radically transformed and changed by the love of God, and he wrote a book about the Holy Spirit, and I love his book, um, but he has a quote in there, and it says, Jesus intended his church to be a force on the move forward against evil, not a fortress simply trying to resist the enemy. The Spirit moves us to redemptive engagement with the world, not defensive disengagement. A force moved forward against evil, not just trying to hide back and shrink. Yeah. 
God's calling us to engage with the dark places and places that we're going to talk about, like human trafficking and why Unbound got started. But there's a passage that I want to go through this morning. It's in Acts 16. And you may have not actually read it. It's a little bit obscure, but it's one of my favorite books, one of my favorite passages in the Bible because it shows such a beautiful picture of this kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The people of God operating with the spirit and the authority of Jesus here and now in, the, in, in their sphere of influence. And so I'll pick it up um, on verse 23. Just a little backstory before I read. What's interesting about this passage is that Paul and Silas, they probably could have avoided the persecution they were about to endure. They get arrested and they get thrown into jail. They probably could have avoided that had they made known the fact that they were actually Roman citizens and that they were be, being wrongfully persecuted. But Paul and Silas actually didn't make note of that to the magistrates and the leaders of the law because they wanted and knew that God was inviting them into enemy domain where the spirit of God could bring transformation. They willingly went because they knew there was going to be an opportunity to bring forth the authority of God into a place where maybe the enemy had held some control for a long time. So in verse 23, it says, After they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and held their feet bound and chained. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God, while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison, All at once, every prison door flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open, and assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. When Paul shouted in the darkness, Stop! Don't hurt yourself! We're all still here! The jailer called for a light, and when he saw that they were still in their cells, he rushed in and fell trembling at their feet, Then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? And they answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and all your family. And they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all of his family. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds and then he and all of his family were baptized. He took Paul and Silas into his own home and he set them at his table and fed them. And the jailer and his family were filled with joy in their newfound faith in God. Incredible things happening in this passage, but what I think is one of the most remarkable is that the presence and the authority of God came into a prison cell. God did a manifestation of his power. He literally sent an earthquake to break open the chains that they were shackled by and the doors of the prison cell. But that wasn't what changed the jailer to want to learn about how to be saved and find Jesus. It wasn't. It wasn't this manifestation of power that this earthquake, it was when, the, when Paul and Silas were sitting in the cell and they said, we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> we're still here. We didn't go anywhere. We're still sitting in the cell because we know that God's about to do something really remarkable. And he did. Because what happened, instead of committing suicide, instead of committing suicide, this jailer said, who are these people? They didn't just run out of the jail cell when I'm supposed to be watching them and I, my life was at stake. They're still sitting there and they're, asking, they're saying, we're still here. We're still here. And so he runs to them and he falls at their feet and he says, what do I do to be saved? How do I, 
who are you guys? There's something different about you. And that led them, that led him and his family on a complete continuum of God transformation. One act of Paul and Silas to be faithful, to go into a dark place, literally a dungeon, shackled and locked, and be willing to bring the kingdom of God through prayer and worship and faith into a cell, led somebody onto a complete transformation into Jesus and his whole family and probably generations to come. Not only that, but if you pick up after that, it says, at daybreak, the magistrates sent officers to the prison with orders to tell the jailer, let those two men go. So the jailer informed Paul and Silas, the magistrates have sent orders to release you, so you're free to go now. But Paul told the officers, look, they had us beaten in public without a fair trial, and we're Roman citizens. Do you think we're just going to quietly walk away after they threw us in prison and violated all of our rights? Absolutely not. You go back and tell the magistrates that they need to come down here themselves and escort us out. When the officers went back and reported what Paul and Silas had told them, the magistrates were frightened, especially upon hearing that they had beaten two Roman citizens without due process. And so they went to the prison and apologized to Paul and Silas, begging them repeatedly, saying, please leave our city. Can you imagine if government officials who wrongly accused somebody went and apologized for their mistake? It'd be quite a different world we live in. I think so. But not only that, guys, the spirit of God and operating as the church with the authority and the power of Jesus Christ behind them actually righted the wrong, Legal, both legally and spiritually. It actually brought the correct result of justice because they trusted in Jesus and their ability to be in that jail cell and understand what God was doing, which was bigger than themselves. And that is what the kingdom of God looks like on earth as it is in heaven. That is what God is calling us as the church to do with the power and the authority to be the body, to go into places where maybe the church hasn't always been invited, to bring the spirit of God, the authority to bring transformation here on earth. And we're going to talk about how Unbound is doing that. And I'm going to share more about what we do, but I can't even do it as eloquently as this video I'm about to show you. It's beautiful. It tells you all the things you may want to know about who Unbound is and what we do. And so I'm going to show that, and then I'll pick back up after the video's done. This girl, I always picture that she has no hope no self-value, but she's created by the image of God. I really want that girl to understand she's worth everything. I want to be the hope that girl sees. Today, there's more people in human trafficking or being trafficked than any other time in human history. Across the nations, across the world, people are being exploited taking advantage of, used for someone else's gain. All kinds of people are victimized by labor trafficking or sex trafficking, and it is so pervasive. As far as I knew, this was something happening in other parts of the world. It wasn't until much more recently that I realized human trafficking was happening right here in our community. We've had people that were like, I had no idea. I had no idea it was here. I had no idea it was this bad. I had no idea it could be anyone. You can't look at the issue and you can't look at the faces of young girls and boys or hear stories and not respond. 
We launched Unbound in 2012, and it really came from my experiences of traveling internationally and really started seeing human trafficking everywhere we went. In Uganda, I met child soldiers. In India, I mean, you would see the brothels. It was just horrific to me and to a lot of us. We knew that we had to do something about it, and really that initial focus was let's figure out as people in the U.S. how to impact social justice overseas. But the more we started researching it and considering what to do about it, the more we were finding out this is actually really happening in our own communities. We didn't have this huge macro plan. We were just like, we raised our hand and said, we've got to do it, we've got to figure it out. Unbound's base is here in Waco, Texas, but now we have offices across the U.S. and now some internationally. Our mission is to end human trafficking in our local communities. As a community, we have such an opportunity to impact one another. We have three main focuses, prevention and awareness, professional training and survivor advocacy. It goes into schools and informs people about human trafficking. We educate youth on how they can stay safe from trafficking. We work to train teachers and different people who work in schools like coaches or school nurses. We want to educate our communities because we know that when we have an educated community, we can better identify this issue and make a difference. We've seen over and over again people who don't even know about the issue of trafficking or are being trafficked and don't even know that that's what it is. We train professionals. What would it look like if a victim were to come through your clinic, your classroom, your school bus, your courtroom? How would you safely and effectively respond to that situation? Our advocates do whatever it takes to help survivors. On a daily basis, we're helping provide services like clothing, food, and to know that whenever we help these victims that you see them at their lowest point and then you see them at their highest point to where they excel. You get to help people find hope again, find life again. In that critical period where someone is traumatized and they meet an advocate, that advocate then plants the seeds of a trust-based relationship. It really is a beautiful thing when you get to see someone who never thought that they were gonna graduate from high school, graduate from high school and go to college. When you see someone who never thought that they were gonna overcome their drug problem, overcome their drug problem. The work that we do changes lives. Uh, we bring uh, hope, we bring light, and see lives transform. I don't want one young person, male or female, young woman, to be missed in our community. Continuing to strengthen what we do here, getting in the schools, getting in the group homes, um, bringing that prevention, being able to identify those victims and getting them help. It's what drives us every day. We want to be an answer to the local issue of human trafficking wherever we exist. And we want to exist in the U.S., we want to exist overseas, but wherever we are, we're focused on freeing our community from human trafficking. Unbound having our international chapters you know, in Mongolia and all of these other areas. We're in empowering Mongolians to fight for each other. The work that I'm doing as a program director in Waco is the same work that they're doing with program directors in Mongolia. If there are more people coming in with that perspective of saying, oh, I just happen to know the tools and the right next steps to make, there are a lot more lives that could be radically changed. I think our goal is that no one would ever experience this. And so we're saying we, we believe we can stop this issue. It's not something that you can ignore anymore. It's something that you're called to take action and take a step forward in doing something. We know that no one organization can end human trafficking. It takes the entire community coming together to say not in my city. This might seem an overwhelming task to most, 
Unbound will provide that for you, will equip you for it, will train you. Through Unbound, it's like a completely different picture and there's like a hope of Jesus and that's not only going towards the victims, but also going towards like the people that are actually involved in different areas. I think what's made it possible to do what we do is the people that get involved. Uh, you know, everybody from people that volunteer with us to people that have gotten behind the mission. If everybody works together, I, I do believe it can be wiped away. We want the community to understand that in order to see trafficking stop, everybody has to participate. Unbound wants to help come along the community and plug people into their unique roles and giftings so that together we can see trafficking stop. So I love that picture and that video of Unbound because that, that is what we do. We, we mobilize our communities. We are the church within our community, bringing transformation and healing. And we recognize as the church, we have to be part of the solution. What, with the authority we've been given, with the power we've been given from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, we have to be a part of doing something to fight human trafficking. And just like Paul and Silas that I referenced in the last passage, that's what Unbound is doing. That's one of my most favorite parts about Unbound is that we're getting invited into places where maybe the church has not necessarily been invited or has maybe even been pushed out. Unbound's getting invited into prison cells. We're getting invited into detention centers. We're getting invited into school board meetings, into schools and classrooms. We're getting invited into governmental official leader meetings where we're getting to make and be a part of decisions that are affecting human trafficking and policies and procedures that affect human trafficking but affect our community at large. We've been given this space, this authority within our community to make decisions but guided by the wisdom and the authority and the power of God. And I know, and I'll be the first to say up here, that human trafficking, it's not the only injustice that we face. I absolutely know that. But I will say that it's probably the one that's all-encompassing with all of them. Human trafficking is rooted in the devaluing of human life. It includes poverty, severe abuse, complex trauma, domestic violence, abortion, suicide, substance abuse, homelessness, the whole root of it is manipulation, control, exploitation, hopelessness, despair. It is the all-encompassing evil of our day. And the church must, must, must do something and be part of the solution. And that is what Unbound is doing. That is, what, that is why Unbound started out of the local church, because the local church has the authority and the power to make lasting transformational change. There's a lot of good ideas out there. There's a lot of great governmental ideas. There's a lot of great organizations. And all of those are needed to play a part in this. But lasting, true, unlocked power for the kingdom has to come from the church. The church has to play a part. There's got to be that element to the solution. And this may be a part of the message where you're thinking, I, I feel really encouraged, I feel empowered, I'm so glad our church is doing something about this horrific issue, I'm on board, but it probably doesn't have anything to do with me. But I want to challenge you in that, I really do, because there's a story I want to tell you about a sweet adolescent. And her mom couldn't pay the bills, and so they moved around a lot from apartment to apartment. Dad was in and out of the picture, 
domestic violence going on. They fought a lot. She didn't want to go to school because she was made fun of, because they couldn't afford shoes and clothes like the other kids could. She was reaching out and ran away a lot because she was looking for affection. She was looking for love, attention, a home. She wanted a family. She wanted to be loved like any adolescent would. She started connecting with other men, mostly through online apps like Instagram and Facebook, Snapchat, Kick. The men that she met promised that they would love her, care for her, provide for her, be a home for her, be a family for her. And instead, they started manipulating her, controlling her. She ended up pregnant at 15. And then she was sold for trafficking for two to three years until she was rescued and got connected with Unbound. This is actually a true story of one of our precious clients. And this is the actual picture of trafficking. It's not an abduction. It's not a kidnapping. It's not a third world problem. It's not a sex cult. Those are all part of it. But the majority of trafficking cases are this picture right here, this story. A vulnerable youth who's looking for affection, attention, a home. And so while maybe you don't think it affects you, human trafficking is not a siloed problem. It is a continuum where the church actually has a role way before human trafficking actually ever happens in the first place. Because in this scenario, what would happen if the church rallied around this sweet family and provided this young child with some clothes and some shoes so that she didn't feel embarrassed to go to school? What if the church rallied around this family and said, you know what, I'm going to give you free childcare for your, for your baby because you got pregnant at 15 so you can go back to school? What if the church rallied around this family and said, hey, uh, there's domestic violence going on. There's a rough family you know, home going on. Hey, can we love and rally around you and support you? Can we provide some resources so you don't have to move around to every apartment and, and bounce around your utility bills? Can we help you? Could the teachers have stepped in and said, hey, you're missing a lot of school. What's going on? What's going on? You know, your, your change in continence is changing. What's, you know, what's, what's going on with you? There are so many steps along a continuum of a life that can be led to trafficking that the church has a role to play in helping prevent it from ever happening in the first place. Unbound, gets, thankfully, gets to be a part of the healing, lasting, long-term restoration process in addition to a lot of other things. But there are so many things that you as an individual have a part to play in preventing and protecting the lives of these most vulnerable children and adults in our communities. There's some statistics I want to share, you, share with you that may you know, open your eyes a little bit, but 50% of our community experiences financial instability. 26% are unable to afford basic needs such as housing, food, childcare, healthcare, transportation. 38% of children in the Brazos County live in a single parent household. These are all vulnerabilities to somebody becoming trafficked. These are all vulnerabilities the church has a part to play. One in seven runaways reported to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children were likely sex trafficking victims, and 88% and of those were within child welfare when they went missing. I'm a child welfare attorney. Knowing that 88% of children within the child welfare system, one in seven could be a trafficking victim, is a, is a really hard thing to hear. So what's the church doing in foster care? What's the church doing in child welfare? What's the church doing with adoption? What's the church doing with poverty and homelessness, abuse, substance abuse? These are all issues that are a cumulative effect of trafficking, 
but the church has a part to play in the whole spectrum of the story. What if we as a church changed the agenda and the cultural perception and acceptance of devaluing human, humans in general, but women and children? What if we went against the grain and challenged media and what we watch and pornography? A study of university students found that 93% of boys and 62% of girls had seen internet pornography during their adolescence. According to this study, 64 of the young people, 13 to 24, actively seek pornography weekly, if not more often. And according to a study by Shared Hope International, pornography is the primary gateway to the purchase of humans for sex through human trafficking. So pornography is directly related to human trafficking. And according to one study, only half of daily porn users indicated that porn featuring teens was wrong. And 70% of underage victims are used to produce pornography in the trafficking arena. These are all issues that the church has a part to play in. It's not just human trafficking. It's not a siloed issue. It's an all-encompassing issue where the church has authority and power and wisdom and strategy to make it different. Well before we have to get to the point of human trafficking being an issue. And that's how transformation comes. That's how the kingdom of God comes. That's how we get empowered to move in our society, in our communities, and bring radical, lasting change. And so to wrap it up, I I hope you feel empowered. I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you feel challenged, a holy conviction, a holy stirring to recommit to the local church, to recommit the stewardship of the giftings that God's given you to be a part of what God's calling the local body of his believers to do. And to maybe even a call to repentance. Repentance and, and, and reconciliation with God, the Father, for any ways in which we may have knowingly or unknowingly contributed to this. Whether it's what we watch, pornography, or anything else. There's something that you can do today to engage in this issue. And so I'll have the band come up. There's a couple of things I want to put up on the screen um, for ways you can be involved because this is happening in our community. So people also think, you know, well, this probably isn't even an issue in our community. Well, it is. In fact, Unbound just was endorsed by our community by all of our partners, you know, governor's office, the DA's office, law enforcement, to be the advocate agency for all trafficking victims within our community. And we're the church, but we do excellent work. And there's a partnership, and there needs to be a partnership for this to, to be successful. But, it's, but the reason that there's a coalition and a group of people coming together to fight this is because it's a problem. Yeah. It's a problem in our community. We're serving victims. They're, they're in our office. We're talking to them. We're working with law enforcement. We're working with government agencies. And so there's things that you can do to help us. You can pray. You can share about Unbound and the work that we're doing. Stay informed about this issue and what's happening around our community and around the world. Um, we just moved into a new office because we're, our growth is, and expansion is so large. We just hired two new advocates. We're going to be running a 24-hour hotline that runs 24-7, 365 days, and it's going to be an outlet for, for law enforcement and all service providers to call when there's an issue and there's a trafficking victim recovered, and we step in and provide healing and hope and restoration and the love of God. 
And you can also give. And if you go to the link uh, on there, that'll take you to how to get involved with us if you want to volunteer or be a part of what we're doing. But I hope you leave today understanding that you have a part to play. Yes. There is something that you can do. And it's not only do you want to do it, you're actually commissioned, called, empowered, equipped yes. by, the, by God our Father to do this work yeah. excellently, excellently and with integrity and to bring lasting transformational and radical change. And so we're going to move into our response time. Tyler's going to come up and kind of lead us into that. And I'm going to close us out in prayer. But there's going to be an opportunity to do something today. Yeah. To do something. And uh, we're, we're in it together. So. Yeah, I love what, um, you know, what, what Amanda is exposing is what the devil doesn't want us to expose. Right. right? Um, re remember, the actual darkness wants to remain dark. <laughs> but Jesus came and he says, I'm the light of the world. Um, he says, you are the light of the world. He said, um, we're, we're meant to be salty. We are meant to go and expose the things <clears throat> that are dark, that are disruptive, that are sinful, that are painful. So, you know, what, what I love about Unbound and, and as we're taking this on, and this has been several years in the making, is that, is that um, the church is able to acknowledge something that is uh, so painful and heavy, but yet not be weighted down, uh, powerless, but just as Amanda shared, being lifted and saying, hold on a second, we have the keys to the kingdom. Like Jesus Christ died and rose again, and the Spirit of God um, came upon him. He then went around uh, dismantling the works of the devil, right? Like he was casting out demons. People were being set free from blindness. Even he raised Lazarus from the dead. It doesn't matter all walks of life. Jesus walked in and said, I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how painful it is, how off it is. Guess what? I have an answer. That's King Jesus. Remember, he's the head of the church. And he has called upon us to be a people to say, what will you do when you see the darkness around you? You have two options. Either hide, ignore it, cower from it, or you say, bring it on. But you can only say bring it on if you're confident that you're walking in lockstep with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Spirit of God. Amen. So I want us to stand this morning and um, here, here's how we're going to respond. Absolutely to get engaged and respond in these ways with Unbound. But even maybe before that step, just as Amanda was sharing, there is there an internal response for us as a people to step in and say, okay, God, I want, I want my heart and my mind to be clean, right? I love the scriptures in Romans. It says, if you confess your sins, he will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which is really good news. Because that means if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what? I have dabbled in pornography. You know what? I have mistreated men or women. You know what? I've had some crazy weird dreams and thoughts that have made me think and do some things that I'm shameful of, then the Lord says, if you will confess that, I will cleanse you. I will clean you. And then you can get up and walk out of here, not weighted down, right? Because the devil wants you to think that because you messed up last Saturday, you're done. 
He wants you to think that what happened at 15 means you're ostracized. He wants you to think that what you are doing maybe yesterday, all of a sudden you're excluded. He says, no, 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 I came for you. So I want you to hear me say, because the Lord is giving us an opportunity this morning, all of us, to say, Lord, clean my heart. Let there not be anything off in me so that I can step in and become a rescuer, right, and engage in these dark places. Here's what I do. I'm just going to pray for us. I just want you to take a moment, close your eyes. I'm just going to pray that the Spirit of God would highlight something on any of us that we need to repent of, come clean for, so that we walk out of here free, so that we can then get on the journey to setting others free. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray right now, every heart in the room, everyone streaming and watching right now, in Jesus' name, you would give us a clean heart. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be vulnerable and real enough to confess the sins in our lives, the deep, dark places that are off in us and our thinking and our doing. Lord, that we want to be people that honor you with our bodies. We want to be temples of worship unto the Lord. And so, God, we pray right now, would you expose the thoughts in us, expose the dark places, bring the light in, and wash us, Jesus. Wash us clean. Wash us from the inside out, we pray, so that we can walk a life free from sin and darkness and walk and be salty and to see when others are in need and then lend them a hand and say, I have the authority of Jesus Christ to come and to set you free. So Lord, we pray that this morning. And we're asking that you would do a mighty work in our midst that people at Antioch can be a people known for stepping in and engaging and rescuing those that need it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So whatever it is in your heart, man, come clean to the Lord this morning and worship with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Touch again.